Good morning. Merry Christmas. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 1. That's where we're going to go. That's where we left off last week. So important, again, we know God's word. The Bible says, Jesus said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yet it's so amazing to me in this world, it seems that the Bible has the least amount of importance for people's lives. And yet the Bible says how important it is that we know God's word and that there will be a famine in the last days, not for food, not for water, but for the word of God. How important then is it that we know what God's word says? Now, understanding God's word makes all the difference in your boldness in who you are. Let me share something with all of you, and this is really important. If you lack boldness in your life, the people that you're communicating to will not nod their head at you, but they will become your judge. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you lack boldness in your life, the people you're trying to communicate to will become your judge rather than those who will listen. Now, we don't want false boldness. But the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of boldness and a sound mind. So you need to know God's word. That's where our boldness comes from. It does not come from a positive self-image, self-realization, or any other external force, but rather it comes from God's word in you, the hope of glory. And when we know what God's word says, we then become We understand what God's standard is. God has a standard. People have often said, well, I wonder how God's going to judge the world someday. The Bible that you have in your hand is the way God will judge the world someday. So how important then is it that we know that? So again, at this Christmas time, you know, one of the greatest things you can share with people, I believe, is that simple love of God. Because while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, stumble bumbling around in our sins, Christ died for us and gave us new hope and new glory. And the Bible tells us that you're a somebody, not based upon what you buy or what you own or your degree or any other thing, but rather that God says you're somebody. And that to me means more than anything. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask you that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and cause that heart of yours to reside in us, to give us that boldness that comes only from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we went through and looked at Matthew chapter 1. I just want to look at a couple of verses here, and then we'll go to Matthew chapter 2. Now again, Matthew in the Bible, and I always kind of look at the backgrounds of people. He was a tax collector, he was an IRS man, had a lot of money, and uh, not real well liked by the Jewish people, as most IRS people aren't liked anymore in here either. But the point was, he had, he had a, a, a good job, you might say. But something evidently in that job was not fulfilling because Jesus came up to him. He simply looked at him and said, follow me. The Bible says that he dropped everything. Didn't give his two-week notice. He didn't care about his 401k. He just dropped everything and followed Jesus. And thank God that he did because that's what we're reading about today. Now it tells us in verse 21, she being Mary will bring forth a son 
and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So much good doctrine is found here in the very first chapter of the New Testament. First one is this, he will save his people from their sins. It's not the church, it's not a bishop, it's not a religion, it's not any of those things. Jesus will save the people from their sins. Not Mary, not anybody else, not another co-redemptress. He will save the people from their sins. That's why we can truly say, as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So it is him, him alone. Whenever I hear a church uh, an organization say, we will, we, you know, we'll get you into heaven. They're lying. It only comes through Jesus Christ. He will save the people from their sins. Now, I mark things in my Bible because I'm forgetful. And not all timers, just kind of space cadet, okay? Well, what I put right along verse 1, uh, uh, verse 21, is the number 1. And I underlined the word He. Why is that important? It will help you defend your faith in the days to come. Now all this was done, which might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated God with us. Point number two, and I put a two by this verse, is that's who Jesus is. He is God. Emmanuel, and just so nobody would mess it up, which translated means God with us. That's who Jesus is. He's God. He's not just God's son, that's true, but he is God incarnate on this earth. He's not Michael the archangel. He is not Lucifer's brother. He is God on earth. Jesus is walking along one day and the disciples said to him, Jesus, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. And Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Now Jesus is not saying he's the Father, but he's the express image of who God is. In John eight fifty eight, it says that he said, before Abraham was, I am. The Jews knew that the burning bush, the whole Moses experience, was where God said, I'm the I am. Jesus was claiming to be the I am. John 8, 59 says, and they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he claimed to be God. But you know, it's interesting today, every cult, almost every cult in the world gets this goofed up. He's a great guy. He's one of the greats. Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus. Uh, I'm Jesus. You're Jesus. Cuckoo, cachoo. All this stuff that goes on. But the Bible says that he is God. So point number two, I marked it in my Bible right along verse 23. God with us. And that's what I underlined. This knocks the wheels off the bus almost on every cult in the world. Now, don't believe for one minute, friends, the cults aren't trying to convert you. If you don't believe me, the next time you have somebody knock on your door, finely dressed individuals on the other side of your screen are looking at you and you say, hey, I don't need your help. I'm a born again Christian. Thank you very much. They will sit there and continue to try to argue with you 
that what you got ain't enough. I've done this. I know. The point is, is this. You need to know what you believe, why you believe it. Then he goes on, verse 24. Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took, him, took, her, uh, took to him as wife, speaking of Mary. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus, which means God's salvation. Now, notice this again. I put a three by this first because of this reason. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. The idea in the Catholic Church of the perpetual virginity of Mary is not in the Bible. You say, but Mike, there's a guy with a funny hat that says, yes, it is. No, it's not. Know your Bible. I'm not trying to be and, and make anything light of these. But the thing is, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you don't teach the Bible, you can believe anything you want in here. You can believe the clock is God. This is one of the problems as an example with the AA program. Now, I like the AA program because really it addresses some of the pointed needs in a person's life when they're trying to get off of something. But the first thing you have to admit in AA is there's a higher power. There's where the problem comes from because you don't need a higher power. You need the higher power. And if you believe the higher power, well, I believe the light bulb is my higher power, you're not going to get anywhere. So we need to know who Jesus Christ is. We need to know who we are. What does the Bible say about us? We are desperate sinners in need of a Savior. Have you lived long enough to figure that out? That you really don't have a handle on who you are? Have you ever found yourself doing something you know you shouldn't be doing? And you'll even say to yourself, as you're on your way to go do something, why am I doing this? We're schizo. Why is that? The Bible says, and I'm glad you asked the question, it's not within man to live righteously. It's not in our DNA nature to live for God. Why is that? Because the things of God are contrary to the spirit of man. Now, this is why Jesus said in John 3 to a religious leader of the day, one of the highest ranking religious leaders, John chapter 3, to a man, to a, to a, a rabbi named Nicodemus. Jesus said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Why? Because we need a conversion in the way we live. We need a, a modification to our soul. And that comes only supernaturally through Jesus Christ. So I put a three by verse 25 here. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Again, this is how we can defend our faith. And it doesn't matter what the church teaches. It matters what the Bible says. That's always your bottom line. That is our dogma. And so we always want to go by that. Chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, it tells us, that they saw his star. We'll read about this a little bit more. But they saw a star. How did they know to be looking for a star? Years ago, the nation of Israel was rebellious, rebellious, rebellious. Finally, God punished them and carried them away captive to Babylon. 
And this is where Daniel had all these prophecies concerning the nation of Israel and even what's going on in our world today. What would be the world like when God does the final wrap-up? And the Bible tells us that from the time the commandment goes forth to go and restore and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, which was laying in ruins, burnt to the ground, to the coming of the Messiah, the Prince, would be 173,880 days. Well, knowing that probably a king would probably come to power somewhere when they're around 20, 30 years old, the kings of the East began, I think, to look for a sign to find this one that was prophesied. Now notice it says, the wise men from the East, the Magi, And they came looking for Jesus. It says also, um, and this is where we make a mistake. And you know, there's a lot of weird stuff that we believe that isn't in the Bible. It's just this. Well, you know that Bible verse that says, God helps those that help themselves. Not in the Bible. As I've shared so many times before, I have found really God helps those that can help themselves. Well, you know that verse in the Bible, the lion will lay down with the lamb. doesn't say that. It says the lion will lay down with the wolf. Well, you know that verse, it says cleanliness is next to godliness. Not in the Bible. Sorry. Well, you know, we have the three wise men that came from the east presenting their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Doesn't say there was three wise men. Isn't it weird how we can begin to believe things that aren't in the Bible because of tradition? Reminds me of a story, and I'll show you this real fast. Many of you have heard it. I don't mean to be redundant, but it's about a grandma that would always cut off both ends of her pot roast when she'd put it in the pan. So the daughter would do that. And she did it, and finally the husband said, Honey, why do you always cut the end of the roast off when you put it in the pan? She says, because that's what my grandmother did, and that's the way I do it. So when they went over to Christmas, they asked Grandma, why do you cut the ends of the pot roast off when you put it in the pan? She says, so it would fit in the pan. (laughs) You see, we start doing things, and we forget why we're doing it. We believe things. We don't know why we believe it. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, each one carrying a gift. Three wise men. But actually, I believe if you really look at this up close, it was probably quite a caravan of people. It was probably a lot of magi. It was probably much more than the three, but it could have been 15, even 20 people coming from the east. And in those days, when you travel, because the roads were not real secure, one of the things the Roman Empire did, they're notorious for doing a lot of bad things. But the one thing they did do is they made the roads safe to travel on. Even Jesus gave a story about a man that went from Jerusalem down to Jericho, fell among thieves. They robbed him, stripped him, left him laying on the road half dead. Traveling in those days was very, very treacherous. And so then, because of that, they would travel in larger groups. And so it says here that uh, they came from the east to Jerusalem. And this is what they said. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him. 
Now, this is some interesting things here, too. You have this group of people coming. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Most people aren't born king. You, 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 you get that title as you grow up or you show that. Even kings that have sons or daughters, they will, they will watch and see who develops the one that gets it to take their place. This is one of the things uh, in, the, in the book of Solomon it talks about. <clears throat> uh, he says, how do I know who will come after me if there'll be a fool with everything that I've amassed or they'll be wise with it? Well, the truth of the matter was he had a son named, named Rehoboam and he was a fool. And what took David and Solomon uh, over a hundred years to accumulate, this guy blew it all in a couple of years. You see that today. By the way, moms and dads, dads, moms, hey, it's something I would do. You know, if you're getting where you see and you know that time is coming, most of you know I had a heart attack two weeks ago. I flatlined. You know what's really freaky? I'll tell you something freaky. So I'm having these chest pains. They wheel me in. I don't want to bore everybody that was here last week with the details, but, but I didn't share this last week. So they wheel me in. And, and, and I, I, I get in, hey, this guy's having a heart attack. They put me in a wheelchair, wheel me back, and they uh, flop me up on a gurney, and, and they pull my pants off, and they start putting those suckers all over me. And they're putting those on me, and, and you know, they got them on her, boop, boop, boop. And I heard me flatline. That's weird. It's going boop, boop, boop. And everybody starts spazzing out in there. And, you know, you got a couple seconds there while you're still, you know, kind of there. And I hear it flatline, and I look over at the monitor, and it was like 175 over 200. I'm going. And my last words, I shared this with, I was thinking, they put this on my tombstone. That ain't good. That's what, that was, that was my last words before I died. That ain't good. Well, then I roll over, and this nurse's face is right in there, and I open my eyes, and she goes, she goes, do you know where you are? And I, and I knew I wasn't in heaven because they were running face masks. I'm going, not again. Uh, but anyway, yeah, COVID made it to heaven. All right. So anyway, they, they, they got this, and, and she goes, do you know where you are? And I'm, I'm, I look, and I see the lights in the ceiling. I oh, know this is not heaven. I'm expecting a little more than this. And I said, I, I must have I uh, blacked out. She goes, you died. And I said, oh. You know, that does change the way you think about things when you die. You, you, all of a sudden, and they say, this is one. So I, I'm in there, and, and, and the, the doctor comes in. He goes, now I want to tell you, you may go through extreme depression now. Oh, why? And I got to thinking, you know, if you weren't a Christian, I could see that. Because when you die, you come back to life. You look at your life, and it's a big, giant hole. You've thrown everything you can throw in this hole to find the meaning of life, the purpose of life, satisfaction, whatever, and there's nothing there. And then you come back to life only to find more of nothing. I can understand the depression. I went to heart rehabilitation here a couple days ago over... uh, over uh, at the hospital clinic over here. And, and uh, they, they gave me all these charts. And, and it says, 
how much depression have you had? And I go, zero. I, I'm not. You, you know, I, I look at it now that, hey, like I share everybody, I'm in overtime. Overtime pays time and a half. This is good. And so anyway, you know, I'm going down there. And they said, you don't have any? I said, no, I, I, I got a relationship with God. And, and the thing is, I look at it like this. We're not a cosmic accident. Lightning didn't hit a swamp, and here we all are. But we're here divinely appointed. And I know if I'm still here, God ain't done with me yet. And that makes me happy. Now, one of the things we find, again, anomalies in life. Now, notice this. It says, saying, where is he who is born, born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. I've shared with everybody this and always, a lot of people go, I want to find God in my life. Well, I found a couple things. One, God's not lost. I am, okay? So I don't need to find him. He needs to find me. But I have found some of the ways that I can become sensitive to God. Now, this is it. As you study the Bible, and this is why we want to study the Bible, you begin to find the fingerprints of God. Don't you love the fingerprints of God all over you? Let me tell you something. When I was in the emergency room, and the people there said, you don't know how lucky you are that the doctor that puts the stents in is here. And, and, and started listening all these people that are there. And I'm going, God's fingerprints. What do you want to do today? I don't know. Let's go down and hang out at the ER, doctor. Okay. They were there. And when, when I went to the doctor this week, this is what I didn't share last week. He looks at me and he said, you know, for you having a heart attack where you flatlined, you really don't have any heart damage. And I went, wow, that's pretty amazing. Because anybody, if you know, if you've ever had a heart attack, the, one of the biggest problems afterward is your heart is so badly damaged because the blood clot c- cut off all the blood to that muscle that pumps. And, 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 and you've had like part of your heart die. And I look at that, and tonight, last night on KMBT, it said anybody, and please remember this, anybody that's had COVID or you had the symptoms, you couldn't smell, maybe you didn't have the, uh, you know, where you were a death's door. I, that's what happened to me. I didn't have a lot of serious symptoms, but I'm pretty sure I had it. But what was weird, they said afterwards, people are getting blood clots and heart attacks are on the increase with people after about a week or a week and a half after COVID. So if you have COVID or if you had it, watch, you might want to get some, I'm not a doctor, I don't give medical recommendations, but just to tell you, you might want to get on a blood thinner, maybe. Because what happened to me was a, was a COVID blood clot. You know, I, I go in there, I eat an aspirin a year, I don't wear glasses to drive, I don't wear glasses to read. I, you know, I'm in pretty good shape for my age. And then all of a sudden, whammo, you get a heart attack. Wow. You know, my cholesterol was low, you know. All those things, but it doesn't matter. Learning to see God is so important. And whether you're in the operating room and the doctors that you need just happen to be there. To prevent long-term heart. Well, look. Let's look at this. We will come to see him, born king of the Jews. We have seen his star in the east. Star in the east. Star in the east. That's weird. Anomalies. Friends, as Christians, look for anomalies in your life. That's, I believe, where God can be found. Moses, backside of the wilderness. Burning bush. 
but the bush doesn't burn up. And he watches it for a while and he goes, that's something you don't see every day. I'm going to go check that out. Wanders over there and God speaks out out of the burning bush. Take your shoes off, Moses. Where you're standing is holy ground. What attracted Moses to the bush was something you don't see every day. And I just want to encourage you, when you see something in your life that is kind of something out of the normal, look for God. We've seen his star in the east. That's something you don't see every day. We were just out magiing around. I don't know what wise men do when they're all together. Hey, let's go down and get some lattes and talk about wise things. I don't know what they do. But all of a sudden, a star appears. That's something you don't see every day. And they go, let's go check that out. When you see that in your life, friends, pray and see what God will do. Because I believe that so many times, Peter, the Bible says, uh, John, are on their way up to the temple to pray. And there's a guy laying in the road right in front of them. What are you doing in my way? It's an anomaly. And he goes, alms, give me something, we'll work for food. I don't know what he did. But he says, alms, and he said, they said, silver and gold we don't have, but in the name of Jesus, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man leaped to his feet. See, what I'm saying is a lot of times the anomalies are the things we get angry at, but that's what God wants us to look at because that's where we're going to get the directive of our life. Anomalies are a strange thing because we have the doldrum day-to-day life, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Then all of a sudden, one day, come follow me. Matthew drops his stuff and leaves. Day to day, day to day, day in, day out, day in, day out. There's a lightning, there's a bush on fire over there. Light day, 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 let's go check that out. God's there. We go up to the temple to pray. We always go up to the temple to pray. We always go up to the temple to pray. Here's a guy in the middle of the road. Get out of the road. God says, speak to him. And he was healed. Do you see, I have found, and I actually heard teaching like this. I, like I say, you, some of you are raising the bars. I was raising the church. My stories are as weird as yours. And I remember a minister one time saying, well, the Bible says to thank God in all things, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you in the book of Philippians. But you don't have to thank God for the bad things. Oh, really, dude? The Bible says we should. What I have found is sometimes in the bad things is where God says, I'm going to make this the greatest thing in your life. So you can't lose with Jesus. The good things I accept, I understand. The bad things might be just God leading me in the direction he wants me to go in. Some of you in this room listening today, you are here because you may have come from California, the land of the fallen planet. They are releasing, in the name of COVID... Hardcore criminals, tens of thousands of drug dealers, sex offenders. These guys are bad. And to be in a California prison, you got to be a bad dude. Because they let just about everybody else go. So you're in prison. 
And they're letting tens of thousands of criminals go and leave prison in the name of COVID. And they're putting business owners that are trying to make their companies work in prison instead. Cuckoo, cuckoo. You go, what is going on? And so many people have lost their businesses. And you're here today. You got here because you knew somebody here. You came here. And you don't know. You really probably don't know how lucky you are. You see, a lot of times we think, oh, God, why did this have to happen? But God moves us around. People say, well, you know, God's got a brand new job for you. And it's not till we lose our job currently that we begin to look for it. Give thanks all things. This is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. Anomalies I have found is one of the ways we find God's will. Notice they say, we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And what this star was, I don't know. Some people say it was an alignment of Jupiter and Saturn together, which by the way is supposed to happen tomorrow night in the western sky. If it's not cloudy, we might be able to see it. Hasn't been seen since like 1200 AD. <laughs> been a long time, like 800 years. We haven't seen this thing. So it might be, it could be that. It could be just a divine natural, uh, I mean, a, a, a supernatural star that God hung there to cause the Magi to come. I don't know. But I know one thing. It was something out of the normal enough that caused them to pack up the truck and with their gang and come over to Israel. Now it says, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Herod was a very interesting person in the Bible. He re rebuilt Herod's temple. Very unstable man. Very fearful of everybody. He was paranoia plus. August, uh, Augustine said, uh, one of the Roman emperors said, you are safer being Herod's pig than you would be being his son. And when he'd get scared, he would do really crazy things. No doubt this troubled Jerusalem. He was able to somehow appease the Roman government and, 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 and appease the Jewish people, high taxes and all, but he did all these things went to his head, and he became extremely paranoid of everything and everyone. Now notice it says, Herod the king heard these things. What did he hear? He heard that there was a group of magi that came from the east to see the newborn king. Newborn king. Again, kings are usually raised up. They're not born king. Jesus was born king. So, and it says all of Jerusalem with him. Because what's Captain Nutsy going to do today, you know? Is he going to go out? And, well, what did he do? If you read a, here a little bit farther, he was so freaked out that he had all the baby boys two years and under slaughtered. Do you think he was a nutcase? Yeah, he was. Now, it says, Herod heard these things. He was troubled. Was, what was he troubled by? Maybe it was that there was another king in town and he ain't in no more. Maybe it was because of the great delegation that came from the east wanting to know where this king was, not wanting to come and see him. Hmm. Well, that creates an issue, doesn't it? And all of Jerusalem with him. 
And so then, verse 4, when he had gathered all the chief priests, the scribes, the people together to inquire of them where Christ was to be born, so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now this is interesting to me, friends, because they're having a Bible study, but not to their good. People say, well, I studied the Bible. That doesn't necessarily mean it's doing any good. We remember Jesus was fasting and he was up on the mount for 40 days and we remember Satan began to come and and tempt him with different things and the very last temptation he quotes out of the book of Psalms and he said, cast yourself off, Satan tells Jesus, cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple, off the very top of the temple. Your word says, the Bible says that God will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Isn't that weird? Satan quotes scripture to Jesus. This to me is weird. Here you find them studying the Bible to find out where Messiah will be born. They knew where he was to be born, but yet they made no attempt to look for him. Isn't that weird? When you know that there's going to be a Messiah born, again, it says all of it, all, all of Jerusalem knew about this. They inquired of him where Christ was to be born, yet they never bothered to even go look for him. Now, it isn't like you're looking like downtown L.A. For, for the baby Jesus to be born. Bethlehem was a relatively small area. It wouldn't have taken very much to find, hey, has there been any babies born around here lately? And they didn't even bother to go look. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go diligently search for the young child. Now, it doesn't say baby Jesus laying in a manger, young child. Now, we always show the wise men, again, God helps those that help themselves. We just take for granted the three wise men who weren't really three, but probably a delegation, shows up in the manger bringing their gifts. That's not what happened. The wise men came several years later after Jesus was born in the manger. Now, I understand for maybe the sake of convenience, they lump it all together. But just so you know and get a grip on this, so you understand how it is so common for people to believe things that seem to be biblical that are not biblical at all. So it says... He sent them to Bethlehem. Go search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come also and worship him. You know, I think at this point, the Magi, wise men, they're wise. I think they go, something's wrong here. Why is it that we've traveled a treacherous journey for thousands of miles to come to your town, to come where this king is born And we're more excited about it than you people who are living here don't even know. You don't even care. Isn't that funny? You know, there's three kinds of people in the world. You have Herod, who's a hater of God. You have um, the priest, who just have a complete indifference. They don't care. 
But yeah, religious things, oh yeah, that's good. That's right. And then you have the wise men who genuinely are worshipers. And by the way, I, I think that's something we always need to think about ourselves. What group am I in? Am I a worshiper? Am I indifferent? Or am I a hater? Well, notice it says, he called to them secretly that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. Notice, and I think this is really important, they did not say, okay, we'll come back and tell you. They didn't. They just departed. Very important. And here's why. Because a lot of people think that they um, lied to Herod. This is what Herod wanted. They just didn't do it. And behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Notice it doesn't say baby Jesus. It says young child now. And so it says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly joy. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary, his mother. Now, Again, shows they didn't come to the manger. In fact, it says they came into the house where Jesus was a young child. And then when they came in, they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Strange gifts for a king. Gold, we know what that is. Myrrh was this wonderful, sweet-smelling thing that the priests would have. And frankincense. You, you find frankincense and myrrh. One thing the priests would have. The other was something you packed a dead body in. It was embalming fluid. What a lovely gift. You shouldn't have. No, I'm saying, and you want to take your presents back on the 26th of December. What did you get? I got embalming fluid. All right. That's something I always have wanted. I, oh, 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 and what do you want, little boy? I want embalming fluid. That would take Santa back, wouldn't it? Okay, sorry about that. Dirt roads. I like my dirt roads. I, I don't know if anybody else does, but I enjoy going down them just so I can come back. But anyway. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Things you would give a king, things that you would bury somebody in, and things that represented their priestly way. And being divinely warned in a dream that they would not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. You know, this morning, um, we have such a wonderful gift in Jesus. Because he did something for us that we can't do in ourselves. And you know, Paul says, when you know the truth, it'll set you free. When you're free, you're free indeed. Why does he say that? Because it's not something you earn. The cults specialize in getting you to earn what God has already given you. By going out and doing religious things, selling flowers in the airport, waxing your dog, eating organically grown food. Going door to door, giving all your money, joining the church, reciting mantras and feeling your beads, all these things, and somehow to impress God. Let me tell you, God was fully impressed, fully appeased with Jesus' death on the cross. 
Everything you and me need to go to heaven, Jesus did for us. And the Bible tells us we are clothed in his righteousness. You need to wrap yourself in the righteousness of Christ. Not the righteousness of your church, not the righteousness of a man. You need to wrap yourself in the righteousness of Christ. That's what makes you holy. Now, here's why that's important. If somebody would have told me two Saturdays ago at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Mike, you're going to flatline, you're going to be in the hospital, and you're going to die in an hour and a half, I would have said, you are Fruit Loops. No way. I feel the best today I've felt in three weeks. Hour and a half later, I heard the flatline. And I, you know, you look at that and you think there's nothing more than a person that's dying needs than life. And when that time comes, I don't want to sit there and say, gosh, I I hope I'm going to make it. Hope I did enough good charitable deeds. I joined the Civitans and I'm, you know, I wash my teeth regularly with shiny bride. I'm a pretty good guy. But that's not what makes you righteous. What makes you righteous is what somebody else did for you. God so loved the world. That's a big place. God so loved me. God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son. If you'll believe in him, you'll never perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Wow. That's great news. That's the gospel. We go to heaven because he's good. So when someone says, if you die today, are you going to go to heaven? I don't say, well, I, I've done the best I can, as you'll usually find when you talk to somebody that's very religious in a cult because they don't know, because their organization keeps them guessing, because we never want them to really know that they've arrived, so that way we can keep manipulating them. But you can say, yes, I know I'm going to go to heaven. And do you know what was really weird? When I was... Having, honestly, you guys, it felt like I had a hundred pound sack of cement on my chest after I just got shot with a 12 gauge shotgun. I mean, I was, it it was like on the pain of zero to 10, I'd say probably eight and a half or a nine and 10 would be where you just completely blacked out, which I guess I did. But the thing is, is that you don't have time. To say, well, gosh, I wonder if I did good enough, you know. And the one thing I remember laying there, I said, God, you know, this might be it. But I want you to know I love you. And I didn't worry. And I tell everybody, when I died, I didn't see golden puppies. I didn't see fields of flowers. All I know is I had a peace. And that was so wonderful to have that peace at that moment. And you know, again, I just want you to have that peace. If you think it's something you're going to earn, you're fooling yourselves. But Mike, you don't understand. I was raised in church. We had to do all these things. I'm telling you, he's already done it all for you. Jesus said, if you believe, put all your faith, hope, and trust in him, right now you're saved. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to go through a a, a clergy exposition to find out whether we're going to prove him into sainthood. You're a saint right now in Jesus. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked Jesus into your life, you need to. Again, in this story we looked at, we find three groups of people. We find Herod, those that are haters. We find the priests that are indifferent, ignorant. And we find the wise men who come to worship. I pray today that you're the wise. 
There's a bold bumper sticker I saw, and it's so true. It says, wise men still seek him. I think it's true. But know this, that salvation is yours today. You don't have to earn it. And friends, that's the good news. Because otherwise you never know. Did I do enough? Was I good enough? Did I wax enough dogs? Did I, whatever it is that they tell me I've got to do, did I do enough? You never know. Yet Paul says we have the assurance of salvation. Why do we have that? Because the assurance does not and cannot be generated from ourselves. It's something God gives us. And we're clothed in his righteousness. And that is what makes us holy. That's what Jesus came. It is interesting, many people believe, based on these events and maybe the stars, and there just happened to be an alignment of Jupiter and Saturn, and it was around, uh, they, they don't know exactly when Jesus was born, but around 4 BC was when they believe he was born. Around 2 BC, there was an alignment of Saturn and Jupiter that would be seen from the east and it would have vanished or went away because it says it went away and then reappeared and they found another constellation that, that would have aligned so it would have brought them to that. But if that's true, do you know when the star, when they finally got to Jerusalem and the star went away? 25th of December. Yeah, Jesus probably wasn't born on the 25th of December. More like in the first day of the month of Elu in, in the Hebrew calendar, which is in the spring, as the shepherds tended their flocks by night, they would have been in the hills of Judea in the spring, not in the dead of winter. But it is interesting that it may very well be possible that the 25th of December is actually when the Magi made their appearance to Jesus on the 25th of December. I wouldn't... You know, I'll tell you, I know it's a weird thing, but if the Lord wants to come back on the 25th of December, that sounds pretty good to me. But you see, I almost beat you all. See, if I would have died two weeks ago, I would have been part of your welcoming committee. You know, I'd been there. It's your time to go. Here comes Ken. Ken, good to see you. Sally, good to see you. Oh, this is where you are. Yeah, I've been waiting for you to get here. I've been waiting a long time, <laughs> you know. But you see, the thing is, you don't have to worry. And I'll tell you, there's nothing better than when the doctor tells you and you're there on the gurney and they're saying you're having a major heart attack and you hear your flat line. You just go, Jesus, here I come. It's good. It's a good thing. You don't have to worry. And you know what? Never be scared of dying if you're a Christian because I'll tell you what I felt. Like I said, I didn't see golden puppies. I wasn't dead that long. I was only dead for about a minute and a half. Um, By the way, that's still too long. But anyway. But there was just peace. I didn't didn't feel like, ah! I didn't see any guy coming down in a red suit, melting candles on everybody's cake, anything like that. Thank the Lord. But I felt peace. I just said, Lord, I'm in your hands. You need that. You need never to be scared of dying. And if you are, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask the Lord to come in your life. He'll change you. He'll restore you. He'll bless you. You'll never be the same.
And you look at things in your life, anomalies, a lot different. Whether it be a burning bush, whether it be a guy in your way on your way to church, or a heart attack, you look at life a lot different. You see, in him, Luke records for us in Acts, we live, move, and exist and have our being. Like a fish in water, that's what we are. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked the Lord into your life, we're going to pray. you listening by radio, internet, you can pray as well. Just pray and mean this from your heart. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I believe you're the Messiah. And I believe you died on the cross for me. And you took away my sins. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. And what time I have left, I want to use it for you to further your kingdom. So fill me with your love, with your spirit, with your boldness, God. To love the lost, to love you and to love the brethren. And thank you for eternal life. That I never need to be scared of dying ever again. In Jesus' name, amen.